of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 53, Isaiah 53, and we're going to read a few verses, first few verses of Isaiah chapter number 53, and I was thinking about what to teach tonight over the last few days, and the last few services, especially Wednesday nights of the year, are often challenging uh, in the fact that everybody's mind is in another place. And there's so much to occupy our mind during this time. And you don't really usually start a new series or you uh, have, have finished a series waiting for the new year to get all into the new series. So I'm going to teach a Bible study tonight as the Lord brought my mind to this. And uh, it is something that I actually wrote uh, for a, a book that I'm hoping to have come out next year, a book on grief. Uh, but then as I begin to study it more, I believe this is going to turn into a series, and a series on our Lord, as we uh, think of Him, certainly uh, from week to week, but during the time of Christmas, the fact that Christ sent His Son uh, with a purpose, not just to be born in a manger. Uh, he sent Him so that he, would, so that he would die and pay our sin payment, and so I'm, I believe this is going to turn into a series uh, that uh, we'll <coughs> go through the beginning of the year, and um, we'll... Um, I'm uh, probably going to entitle the series, um, Attributes of the Savior, and uh, you'll understand how this will fit in once we read our text and uh, give you the title of the lesson tonight, but I do have uh, much that I can get to. I've got nine points tonight and uh, several verses of Scripture, um, and so uh, I'll, I'll see how far uh, we get into this. Hopefully, we'll get through the introduction tonight. Uh, but Isaiah chapter number 53, let's begin reading verse number 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when he, we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Notice verse 3 will be our text verse tonight. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, <coughs> and... We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Let's continue reading. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. and With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. We'll stop reading right there. Of course, Isaiah 53 gives uh, a picture, gives a, a prophetic look at the Son of God. And I'm certainly thankful that he did come, and by his stripes we are healed. Uh, but often we, uh, and, there's, and certainly it's a wonderful verse, and a verse we need to be reminded of, verse 5 and verse 6, uh, the things that he went through, and uh, we've turned everyone to our own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And we will get to that if, if, unless the Lord changes my mind. Uh, but there's a lot 
of attributes that we can find of the Son of God, beginning in Isaiah chapter number 53. And tonight, as I mentioned, verse number 3 will be our text verse. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Tonight, I'm going to teach on that phrase that we find in verse number 3, a man of sorrows. The Lord, the Bible tells us, obviously, what he wants us to know about the Son of God. We know he was perfect, don't we? We know he was born of a virgin. Uh, we know the significance of him becoming and, and, and being the sin sacrifice. Uh, but certainly, if Christ is our standard, uh, I think we all fail, and I'll put myself on that, in really studying him. Uh, as we probably should study him. And I want to take several of these attributes that we're going to find through the weeks in Isaiah 53, but I want to start where we start in verse number 3, a man of sorrows. And I believe, by way of introduction tonight, we'll get into some of the main points, if we see how many we get through, we we'll see the significance of why it's significant that he was a man of sorrows. Um, and there's several things that I think we can look at sorrow and how it can apply to us. But I want to teach on that tonight. Jesus, a man of sorrows. Father, I pray that you'd use the word of God tonight. May the spirit of God help us. And may the spirit of God be our teacher, our instructor. And Father, may we be reminded of what a great Savior we have. Uh, we'd be hopeless without him. Because all of our hope is in him. And Father, we thank you uh, for sending him. We thank you for loving us enough to send uh, us, your son, so that he might be that sin sacrifice. Uh, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for being willing to come and willing to uh, bear our sins. And may we be uh, helped tonight by looking at this passage of Scripture. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. There's many things that we find out about the Lord. There are many uh, conclusions we can draw out uh, about him. Uh, certainly, uh, he was perfect. We know that. Uh, but there are other attributes that I believe that we'll find uh, that will be a help to us in not just having a greater appreciation for our Lord, uh, but it'll be a help to us in, in serving Him in a greater way. That phrase, a man of sorrows, uh, that is very significant because we see Him uh, described in many ways in, this, in Isaiah 53, but He's also described as a man of sorrows. Uh, when you study the life of Christ, you think back to the Gospels, and all we know about the Lord in the Gospels, uh, something that uh, we, once I mention it, you're going to say, well, that's true, but we may have never stopped to take time to notice it. When you study the life of Christ, you do not find an unhappy man. You do not see, you do not see also, though, that he was frivolous. Is there anyone that had a greater sense of sobriety and seriousness than our Lord? Certainly, he realized his purpose for coming. Uh, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, this is not to say that he did not smile or laugh. Uh, most certainly, he did. It is not to say that he was unhappy or miserable, to say that he was a man of sorrows. 
Uh, it, it is in your Bible tonight that he was a man of sorrows. And I think sometimes when we use that word sorrow, it's certainly in this context to describe our Lord as a man of sorrows. That here's somebody so burdened down with sorrow, so burdened down with grief, that they have no joy, they have no happiness, they have no purpose, they have no life. That was not our Lord. And we can make this application right now, and then I'll make some others. There's a pattern right there that just because you experience sorrow doesn't mean you're not supposed to be happy. It does not mean you can't have joy. Jesus was a, the Bible tells us he was a man of sorrows, but I don't think that, that, that people were attracted to him as he went from village to village and town to town because he had a shoulder stooped over, he had a poochy lip, and he was, he was just bearing the weight of all of the grief and sorrow. Oh no, the Lord had victory over sorrow, but the Bible says he was a man of sorrows. He understood sorrow. He bore sorrow. And there's too many Christians that are defeated by sorrow when Jesus has set the pattern. It doesn't, well, I wish I had a perfect life like them and that I wouldn't be discouraged. How would you like to bear the burden of paying for the sins of the world? Uh, I, I don't think, I, I think it's a sin to be discouraged. You may disagree with me, but you're probably discouraged. That's why you disagree with me. You mean to tell me Jesus was discouraged by their sorrows? Absolutely not, because he was perfect. But the Bible says he was a man of sorrows, but he was not defeated by the sorrow. This is something that can be a great help to us as we deal with our own sorrows. Because if, as we all know, and if you don't know this yet, it's because you're one of the children in here, and you will find out if you live long enough, you live long enough, and you're going to be touched by sorrow. Something's going to take place in your life. Uh, it could be something that we would put in a smaller category to what we say bring the ultimate sorrow. But that is life. And if we understand Christ in the framing of a man of sorrows and understanding our man of sorrows, we can better understand the sorrow that we must bear. Uh, sometimes we must endure sorrow. I want to get victory over it. Well, there may not be. Sometimes we say a victory means we want it to end. Victory in our life may be just let, not letting that defeat us. There's some things you're not, you're not, you're not going to leave behind until you're in glory with the Lord. But that doesn't mean that you can't have victory over it. And sorrow defines us many times. It makes us who we are. Um, nobody likes sorrow. Nobody likes to be brokenhearted. Nobody likes to grieve. Nobody likes to be burdened. Uh, we don't. We don't want to. We don't want to deal with those things. Uh, but we are because of life. Now understand something. Jesus was called the man of sorrows. He had the responsibility, he had the purpose, for he came to bear the sorrow of man's sins. Think about it. Every time he interacted with a man, he knew he was bearing his sins. You, you think of now, 
You know who, we, we sometimes lose our compassion, but you know who has compassion on the broken sinner tonight? God does. Sometimes we get disgusted and angry at the sin of this world, and I'm not saying we shouldn't. But Christ came to die and to pay for those sins. And every interaction that the Son of God had with man, He was very aware. You think of passages of Scripture where He looked on the multitudes and He was moved with compassion. He loved them, but He was touched by their infirmities. He was aware of their sorrows. And he was very aware of his purpose that he was going to bear the sorrow of man's sins. You and I know that sin brings sorrow, doesn't it? There's sometimes things in life that, that, that are unavoidable because this is God allows them. And those are tragic. But the most tragic sorrows are those that we bring upon ourselves. And, 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 but, but Christ was a man of sorrows. He was uh, not just sympathetic towards our fate. He came with a purpose to uh, bear our sins, and he gives a picture of the fact that even though the Bible refers to him as a man of sorrows, those sorrows did not defeat him. Those sorrows did not discourage him. Those sorrows did not cause him to quit and give up. You know there were, we do know this, it's a rhetorical question, you do know there were people who rejected Christ and said bad things about him. And when they were crucified, they spit in his face. But yet he didn't act like a lot of us do. So, well, if this, is, if this is the things I'm going to get. I invested 33 years of my life into, that's not how Christ acted. He was a man of sorrows, but yeah, he was the perfect son of God, meaning he bore those sorrows in a perfect manner. He, yes, showed that he was greater than man's sin. He was greater than death and hell. He conquered it. He set the standard of, yes, I can be labeled a man of sorrows, but yet... I can still have the joy that only the, as the Son of God would have joy. Let me give you some things about sorrows. And I think uh, for time's sake, I thought about splitting this up into two or three weeks. But I think I'm just going to hurry through it tonight and get through all uh, nine points. So if you take notes, uh, you're going to want to write quickly. And if we get bogged down somewhere, if I feel, feel led to stop, I'll do so. But I want to make nine, nine points, not nine thoughts, make nine statements uh, about sorrow and how it affects us in relation to this attribute of the Son of God. Number one, sorrow draws us near the Savior. Jot this reference down. We'll not take the time to turn to it because I'm going to try and move through all of these. Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. People who sorrow are drawn to a suffering Savior. You know who the most open almost every time to hearing about Jesus today in this day we live in are the ones who are broken? 
The ones who are looking for answers and they can't find them. The ones who, that's why we ought to be reminded to pay attention to people around us. Because there's broken hearts all around us and we're not aware of them. You know who's the most open? The ones that are looking for, for that answer. They can't get healed of a broken heart. People of sorrow know God better than those who do not. Let me ask you a question you don't have to answer. Um, we know the answer to this. Do you pray more when you're brokenhearted or less? Do you pray more when you're grieving or less? Do you pray more when you're carrying a burden or less? Do we get in this book looking for strength when we're burdened or less? Well, if we're going to get through and we're going to get the strength we need, we're going to go to the Word of God more. And in doing so, to get strength to carry my burden or to deal with my sorrow, I'm going to get to know my God better. The Lord has been good to me. I, there, there's been some wonderful things, as you, you, you could all testify, as a church, we've been through some amazing things as a church. We've been through some miraculous things as a church. But I tell you, the, the closest times I've ever felt to my Lord, and you probably identify this, are, are not times of celebration, but they're times of tear shedding. They're times of brokenness. Because our sorrow brings us closer to the man of sorrows. That's why when we do deal with something that breaks our heart, and that's why right now in our country, I think, I think there's a lot of people mad at what's going on. There's a lot of people scared. There's a lot of people that are even sorrowful. And my prayer is that through sorrow, they'll look to the Lord to get an answer, to get closer to Him, it is walking in that sorrow that draws us closer to Him. So number one, sorrow draws us near the Savior. So if you, if you, if you tomorrow, the Lord allows you to have to pick up a burden, instead of rebellion against God, I don't say you have to like it. Uh, use it as an opportunity to get close to Him. Uh, if you've got to go through something, use it as an opportunity to get close to Him. Uh, statement number two, sorrow leads us to die to self. Sorrow leads us to die to self. Um, think about this. Christ handled sorrows perfectly. Perfectly. He was the man of sorrows. In our sorrow, if we are going to be victorious, we've got to die to self. You know what every one of us need to do? Die to ourselves. Well, this is what I think. You know, it really doesn't matter. It's what the Bible says. It's what God has for us. We need to be reminded of that. If you're going to serve the Lord, you've got to die to self. If you're going to be used in a greater way, you've got to die to self. You know why many Christians don't serve God in a greater day, greater way? They just don't want to. They've got things they'd rather do. Well, pastor, they're not sinful. They may not be sinful necessarily, but they may be a stumbling block which makes them sinful. Maybe a weight that keeps you from running your race. But we have to die to ourself. We do know that Christ didn't just come to be born. He came to die on the cross. And after he died on the cross, he's resurrected. Uh, 
he could not have been resurrected if he first did not die. See, death leads to life. Uh, he had to give up the ghost. He had to give up his life in order to be resurrected. And when we die to ourselves, is when we can find a greater closeness to God. Think about what Paul said. He said, I die daily. Uh, when you bear sorrow and you say, I don't want to get through the day unless I depend on the Lord. I, I've been there. I wrote this chapter in context of a book on grief in, in context of the fact that some things I learned when we lost our daughter. But I can tell you from personal testimony that when you're at a place where you don't think you're going to get through the day, you're more aware of I have to depend on God. That is what Paul said when he says, I die daily. I want to depend on him in that manner, whether I'm sorrowing or not. Think about that. What a goal, what a standard for the Christian. Well, if, if, well, if I got thrown in prison like he did for, my, for, for, for preaching the gospel, I would have to die daily. Well, shouldn't we not die daily when we're not in prison for preaching the gospel? Shouldn't we die daily when, when things aren't going well? Uh, shouldn't we die daily and say, Lord, what is your will for me? And many times sorrow causes us to do what otherwise we wouldn't do to ourselves. It forces us to die to self. Number three, sorrow perfects us for our purpose. Sorrow perfects us for our purpose. Now, I didn't say sorrow is going to make you perfect, but it perfects us for our purpose. Philippians 3 and verse 12 says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that, I, that if that I may apprehend that for which I also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul was not speaking here of sinless perfection. Paul was talking about the ability to be perfected for God's purpose in his life. God saved us for his purpose. Sorrow allows us to apprehend that purpose for which we were apprehended by Christ. Uh, many people find they get that laser focus when it comes to dealing with their sorrow, dealing with their burden. God allows sorrow to perfect us for our purpose. What is our purpose? To please Christ. It's that identity with him. It perfects us for our purpose. That's why we should not rebel against it. Uh, it brings us to our purpose. Statement number four. Sorrow delivers us from self. Sorrow delivers us from self. In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. Um, you know, we don't, we don't think we're selfish, do we? Everybody else is selfish, right? Will you agree with me on that? Oh, because you know I'm setting you up. Because if we're honest, we are selfish, was Christ selfish? Oh, no. He, he was anything but. He was perfection in his selflessness. His willing to be a sacrifice. Christ was perfect. He knew no sin, but yet he took the punishment for all sin. 
Now, from a human standpoint, we say, well, that would not be fair. Oh, no, but he, he came with a purpose, and, it, and he was selfless. Do you know what sorrow will make you and I do? It will reveal how selfish we really are. It reveals the selfishness in us. Sometimes it's like we look at other people and say, what's their problem? Don't they know what? Well, we're, we're all selfish. I used to, when I was much younger, I wouldn't do this now, when I was much younger, early 20s, I had a couple of blanket statements I made about people, discovering about people. I knew that God called me to preach when I was six years of age. I knew that's what God wanted in my life. I went, I went to Bible college, got into the ministry, but I had one problem. I didn't like people. That's kind of a prerequisite. The Lord did, you know, many of you know that story. The Lord did a lot of things in my life to, to, to break my heart towards people, but I had two statements that I always made. One, people are, people are generally stupid. Now, I would not say that now because I've learned, but I'm not wrong. <laughs> and people are selfish. You know, we generally, I've made those statements this about everybody else. But I've done some things in my life that's like, that was stupid. And when we have, when God allows a burden to come in our life and some sorrow, it's going to show how selfish we are. Anybody ever wronged you? Do you react spiritually or selfishly? But this needs to be made right. Well, whose responsibility is it to make it right? I mean, we're supposed to live our life to honor God. I'm, I'm going to give an account of how I respond. And many times that sorrow shows us how selfish we are. And what Paul is saying in Galatians 2.20 is he's crucified with Christ. That should be our goal, to crucify our flesh. You know, God would want us to crucify our flesh, and he'd bless us to get us to do it. But let's be honest. The vast majority of us... The only way we'll crucify our flesh is if God allows some sorrow, God allows some hardship, God allows some burden. That's one problem we have in our, in, in our nation. We have a generation who's never had it hard. We, ha we have a lack of manhood because with little boys or boys, they've been protected from bruises and bloody knees and bloody noses and broken bones, and, and, and we've, we've exchanged... Football for football, and I can just run that rabbit trail right there. And uh, like it or not, we've got a softer generation because of a lot of reasons, because they've been given everything. Prosperity is so... And, uh, but what is going to make people stronger? Hardship. Um, be very careful what's going on in our nation right now. We may think it's making us weaker. I think it's making us stronger. Because people are going to figure out what they believe and where they stand. Sometimes in us getting weaker, we're actually becoming stronger because we cannot depend on ourselves. And, and there's so many ways I could go with that, but let me just end up repeating that again. Uh, sorrow delivers us from self. You've got to make up your mind to be unselfish when you deal with sorrow. Uh, number five. Here's one where we can really make an application and draw a comparison or a standard with our Lord. Number five, sorrow deepens our compassion for others. 
Sorrow deepens our compassion for others. We know, and I've already alluded to it, the Gospels many times says Jesus looked at the multitudes with compassion. We may not be able to, we might not draw the conclusion to a man of sorrows to look at him with compassion, but I promise you, there is a connection. There is a connection. And oh, when, when you can relate and bear the burdens of other people's sorrows and understand it, it's compassion. Uh, it, when others have needs and you feel nothing in your heart towards those needs, you feel nothing in your heart towards the state that people, uh, things they're dealing with. What is it? It's a lack of compassion. Uh, the conclu- it, there, there is a, a, a connection between the fact that he was a man of sorrows and he looked on the multitudes of, with compassion. Um, I alluded just a moment ago, and, and it, it, it ties in well here, how, you know, I was called to preach, came to, got in the ministry, and oh, here we go, I'm, gonna, I'm in the ministry to help people, and I just don't like them, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I like to be, I, I'm, I'm happy, just give me, give, me some, give me my office and those kind of things, and I talk to every once in a while, and, I, and I'm good to go, but the Lord used sorrow in my own life to make me compassionate, and I don't know if there's another way that he could have done that. In sorrow brings compassion. Why was Christ a man of love? Because he's a man of sorrows. He's a man of sorrows. Because he would, he, he felt the pain. He was aware of the hurt. Sometimes we, we, we're so busy in our own world, we encounter people and we don't realize how broken they are on the inside. You imagine every person Christ ever talked to, he knew the burden. He knew the tears. He knew the hopelessness. And a man of sorrows is also that man of compassion, and sorrow deepens our compassion for others. Number six, sorrow helps us discover our purpose. It's no coincidence that in Isaiah 53, the prophet prophesies of the coming Messiah. He prophesies of the Savior. And he gives a picture of how he was oppressed in verse 7 and was afflicted. Immediately, because we have the New Testament and we've read of the account of Christ's crucifixion, my mind, and probably yours does too, we read he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, is when he was brought in and he was falsely accused and and then he was, he was, he was struck, and, and he was beat, and he, he had his beard pulled out, and he didn't open his mouth. He answered not a word. That's the conclusion I, my mind comes to. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. We, we know that the prophet is given a description. But just as much as that is a, a description... Of the, of the coming Savior, so it is also, so they would know how, how, what to look for. An attribute of the Son of God, an attribute of the Savior was going to be that he was going to be a man of sorrow. Again, it's not a coincidence that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose. 
he, again, I draw back to he was serious about the purpose that he came for. There was nothing keeping him from that cross. He was going to fulfill the purpose for which he came. That man of sorrows is part of why he knew what his purpose was. And sorrow in our own life helps us and reminds us of the purpose that we have. Understanding the sorrow that others would, will that have help us understand what it is that God would have us to do with our life. Do you realize you and I, we're supposed to help bear the burdens of others? It's hard to do that when we don't die to ourselves. You know, when's the last time, Christian, those of you here tonight, those of you watching on the live stream, when's the last time you shed a tear for somebody else? I didn't say share a tear for your own problem. We, that, that's that's going to happen. When's the last time you shed a tear for somebody else? You know, there is a verse in the Bible that says Jesus wept. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. We're supposed to bear the burdens. It's, it's part of what we sh- are supposed to do as a Christian. When's the last time that we shed a tear for a lost world? That they perish, they're going to perish without Christ and be lost for eternity. Number seven, sorrow teaches us obedience. Hebrews 5 verse 8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. What a powerful verse. Imagine that truth. Sometimes we assume that, that by not disobeying, we are obeying. True obedience is seeking to fulfill the purpose God has for us. Sometimes we say, well, pastor, I'm not disobeying in the fact that I'm not I came to church, and I know I'm supposed to be in church. I'm not disobeying. But to truly obey would be to come to the house of God to get what God had for me tonight, not just to avoid disobedience. I hope that makes sense. There's a lot of Christians with cold hearts that sits on church pews. I'm not disobeying, but are you obeying? Uh, Sorrow teaches us obedience. Suffering or sorrow causes us to find a greater obedience to God. It reveals to us how small our devotion is until there's a price to pay. I can use this illustration in our own country. Um, boy, Jim, it's been, and I thank God for the blessings of peace and prosperity. But it's been a long time since, since our nation's had to pay a heavy price for freedom, a heavy price for what they have. As Christians, we haven't paid a heavy price. They call me preacher man at work. Oh, boo-hoo. I had a family member said that they were making fun of me because we didn't do, oh, boo-hoo. You know, we haven't paid a price. You know, and that's where it comes down to. And you young people that are here and others are, you know, some that, that, that are watching tonight, you've got to understand something. You, you've got to be ready to pay a price. And sometimes it comes in the form of sorrow and disappointment. I think the devil's going to sit back and 
Moms and dads, they, you, you, you get the, God blesses you with those children. You want to rear that children according to the things of the Lord, and you have dreams for them. You think the devil's going to say, okay. Oh, no, he's going to target. You, you young people, and this is a good lesson for our young people because we, we, we push them to give their life to God. The moment you say, okay, God, I surrender, you think the devil's not going to unleash hell? to try and get you to do anything but that which you surrender to do? Well, I just don't know if I want... Sorrow teaches us obedience. causes us to find a greater obedience to God. Number eight, sorrow turns into joy. These others were helpful, but I, I, I like this one. Sorrow turns into joy. In John chapter 16, verse 20 and 22, Jesus told his disciples, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she is delivered of a child, she remembereth no more the anguish. For joy that a man is born into the world, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. I preached on this recently in Psalms 126.6. The Bible says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Joy comes from sorrow. It is hard to put into words when sorrow changes your life. But there's also a joy that you experience that you could not experience unless you experienced a sorrow. And life brings disappointments from time to time. And I, don't want to, and I don't know why the Lord laid this particular study on my heart tonight, but I want us to understand something, that life, as we have sorrow, we have disappointment, we, have, we, have, we, we shed tears and we have grief. There's great joy that comes from that. You think of, and we've, and, we've, and we've taught much on the Apostle Paul this year, and all the imprisonments and all the beatings that he endured and the things that he endured, the moment he entered into the presence of his Savior, there was joy. You, you, we got a sense of it when we did the study on ministry companions, when he would speak of those ministry companions, there was joy in what God had done. That sorrow turns into joy. And to be a man of sorrows and to understand sorrow uh, certainly gives an understanding of joy. And then number nine, I did good, didn't I? Sorrow makes heaven sweeter. Revelation 21.4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. One day we will see our Savior in heaven. Oh, and we think of all the positives that are going to come from heaven. Streets of gold. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? That play is beyond what we can even imagine. Something that's so precious to us. And there's two ways to look at this, but it's going to be gold. Think of how much money. But in heaven, heaven is so wonderful. Gold is so common, the streets are made of it. Think of that. What a place. 
But heaven is going to be wonderful for, for the things that are there. But heaven is going to be wonderful because of the things that are not there also. Sin won't be there. And because sin won't be there, you know what else will not be there? Sorrow will not be there. I, I cannot speak for you, but I, can, I think you can relate to this, but I can speak for me. Certainly the older I get, the more anxious I get and look forward to heaven. And I, I want to fulfill the purpose God has for me. I'm not saying I want to check out tonight, but the Lord saw fit. That would be okay. But I'm looking forward to not having to deal with this old world anymore. And the more people I know and love that are there, the more I naturally look forward to it. But I can testify for me, and you'll have to make your own application. I believe part of why I look forward to heaven is because of the sorrows I have experienced. And knowing that in heaven, there'll be no more sorrow. How can we appreciate a world, a place, a life with no sorrow unless we experience it? Unless we live with it? Unless we're burdened by it? Uh, and I don't know if you if, are this way. It's like, oh, well, I can't, when we get to heaven, there'll be no more pain. We get to heaven, no more traffic. Get to heaven, no more Yankees. I mean, we, 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 get, we get to heaven, there's no... There's no uh, you can describe all of the things that, uh, that, uh, that you want to describe. There'll be no sorrow there. Um, when you think of heaven, do you think of the sorrow that comes from death? I don't. Do you think of the sorrow that comes from burdens, disappointments? I don't. Heaven is going to be sweet because of what is not there. And let me close with this. As we deal with disappointment and sorrow in this life, make up your mind not to hate it, not to despise it. There's a lot I look at 2020 and all the... the, the, the and certainly, we know COVID is real. But look at all the, 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 the crazy things that have happened in, in 2020. In, in our nation, in our government. It's been aggravating, to say the least. There, there's things that I, 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 I wish we didn't have to deal with. And the results are going to be lasting into the near future. But it, it ought to give us a greater appreciation of what we do have in the Lord. What we do have in Him. There are some things that we can't learn to have appreciation for and, unless we do experience the sorrow with it. We think of the Lord and as He came to this earth, certainly Christmas is a week from Friday. For those of you that weren't aware of that, I was giving you a heads up. 
the birth of our Savior. And I plan on preaching on that this coming Sunday. We ought to be reminded of that and all the wonderful things that even this very book of the Bible, Isaiah, says about him and the names given to him. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Prince of Peace. Man of Sorrows. He, being God in the flesh, never separated himself from any identity with our pain, with our suffering, with our burden, with our disappointment. He was a man of compassion because he was a man of sorrow. What a standard. Too many Christians are a man of bitterness because they were of their sorrow instead of a man of compassion. He was, he handled that sorrow perfectly so he could identify with us. Boy, I, I know most of you, because everybody in here has, has a burden, but I know most of you, if not all of you, can identify with this. There are people that I have been able to help. There are people who will be in heaven because the Lord saw fit for me to bury a child. And because they went through the same thing, I could identify with them, they could identify with me. It is not uncommon for me to get an email, a phone call from somebody I do not know or somebody I know saying, can you call this person? They just lost a child. Now, I would not wish that on anyone. That's hard to counsel anybody through. But I tell you, it does something when I can say, I know I've been there. I don't know exactly what you're going through, but it's probably very similar to what we went through. Because if you've never been through it, you, many of you, we, everybody has their own burden. They have their own thing. It, it, it can be things that you never saw coming. It can, be, it can be, it be changes in life, whatever. But there's somebody that you can help because of the sorrow that you went through. Because of the burden that you bear. But too many times, because we're a, we're a, we're a man of sorrow, we're a woman of sorrow, we've got this burden. We want, we want to be selfish. We want to let everybody know about it instead of looking and being aware of the burdens that others have so that we might help them. We might be a, an encouragement to them. Uh, don't be selfish with your sorrow. He's a man of sorrow. We'll look in the future weeks at other attributes of our Lord, uh, but I'm thankful that he was willing to identify with us. And I believe this is an important reminder for the child of God and for this world to know that Christ identifies with us. Sometimes I don't think anybody can understand, oh, there's one that does. There's one that's aware. He was a man of sorrow. Father, help us tonight as we consider this. May we uh, allow the burdens, allow the disappointments, allow the heartaches, allow the sorrows of life. And many times we're reminded of them at this time of the year.